sponsored by Brilliant. I'm, I'm so conflicted when it comes to the future of the iPad. See, part of me wants what everyone on tech Twitter and tech YouTube wants for the iPad, especially the iPad Pro, to gain every feature still missing when compared to the Mac so that real nerds can do our real work. The other part of me wants what Steve Jobs wanted, to keep the iPad as the iPad, the computer for the vast majority of people who, for decades, were completely underserved by traditional computers. And I know, I know that debate has been going on inside Apple as well. In fact, I think it's why iPad development has seemed so slow or at a standstill at times. How do you introduce features that benefit the 10 or 20% of traditional computer users, the power users with Twitter, blog, podcast, and video platforms to amplify our voices, but keep the core experience simple enough to empower the exponentially bigger mainstream whose voices would be drowned out if they weren't essentially silent to begin with? While I don't have any, never mind all of the answers, I do think the key lies in balance and in stacking, keeping the first and primary layers of the iPadOS experience as easy and as accessible to the mainstream as possible, while continuing to fold in more pro-friendly features underneath them for people not only able, but willing to dive deeper to find them. And I know all of that. I know... I know it's really easy to say what Apple or any company should do when you're not the one in charge of shipping any of it, but that's the sort of constraints I'm placing on myself for this video as well. Not just the rumors of what's coming next, but where I think Apple should take the iPad next for everyone and in ways I think can be implemented in the near future. I'm Rene Ritchie and this is iPadOS 14. What's next and what's needed? First up, quick reminder that iPadOS is a variant of iOS, so most of what's rumored for iOS 14 is also rumored for iPadOS 14. I just did a whole video on that, so I'm not going to waste your time recapitulating any of it now, but hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of this series. One of the features I've seen people wanting most, and not just pros, is multi-user account support, especially from people who have an iPad that they consider to be for the entire family, one that they use, but also one that their kids use. And they don't want to have to worry about their kids accidentally interacting with their texts and photos, or erasing their game scores, or filling their recommendations with loud that's not music or badly animated cartoon meme nonsense. Apple's current solution for that is to get everyone their own iPad, except for in the classroom. For education, Apple's offered multi-user capabilities for a couple years now. They even improved them just last month, offering essentially blow-away accounts where a kid can take an iPad, not even have to sign in, do anything they need, and then just quit, and everything is reset and ready for the next kid. It's awesome. And it should be, because iPadOS, iOS, is based on macOS and Unix networking, and macOS and Unix multi-users like a boss. Sure, there'd be some level of complexity in terms of managing security, storage, and content, so you don't cross the streams except for where things like family sharing make it so those streams should be crossed. But it would really increase the overall value of iPadOS especially if it's all tied into iCloud and really easy to switch from one mode to the other. Now, if you want to see that as well, drop a like below and let everybody know. On one hand, it's great that Apple didn't just port over the Mac windowing and drag and drop model to the iPad. Those were born from the mouse and pointer age of interface and now we're firmly in the age of multi-touch. 
On the other hand, after repeated attempts from iOS 9 to iOS 13, Apple still hasn't stuck the windowing landing. The mechanics are still overloaded and collide too often. For example, dragging an app into multitasking versus dragging it right off the dock and are still limited and constrained. For example, there's still no way to put an arbitrary, not recently accessed app into side-by-side -side view to begin with. A ton of people have mocked up ways to improve it, myself included, or at least ways we like to think would improve it, at least for our own specific use cases. But ultimately, I think the dream of multi-touch is just that, multi-touch, that we should be able to grab any window with three or four fingers of the same or both hands and just size and position it where we want, wherever we want, including overlapping on top of each other, because that's what a multi-finger swipe up expose action is there to do, expose away. Same with drag and drop, just touch, drag and drop, anything, anytime. And sure, that's all super easier, barely an inconvenience said than done. But anything that's not that easy and convenient, as easy and convenient as finger painting with interface objects is probably too complicated to be part of the base iPad interactive model anyway. Put a giant reset button where anybody who needs it can find it if you have to, or just leave it all off by default and force people who want it to go into settings and turn it on, but have it there for the people who want and need it. The iOS relationship with file management has been just so <laughs> complicated over the years. Apple had the perfect model with photos and image picker right from the start, but they just refused to make files and documents picker for almost a decade. I get that everyone wanted to come up with something far better, far more human than the old CompSci model, but after a decade of not, we didn't need next, we needed now. And last year's Files app was just a huge leap forward in terms of now. It just needs to be seen as a beginning and not an end. Nerds, of course, just want Apple to port the entire Finder app over from the Mac because they're used to it. Terminal 2 while they're at it. Please and thank you. And sure, maybe make amenities like that available for download for the pros who'll happily go seek them out. For everyone else, files just need simple ongoing iteration, like a progress bar in status or widgets, so we can keep track of not just what's happening with the file, but anything is happening at all. Let me know what you wanna see in the comments. Now, according to every metric I've ever seen, the vast majority of people just don't use external displays at all, even with MacBooks. Nerds, however, use them a lot. And because nerds yell the loudest, it can greatly distort the demand perception especially with something like the iPad, where it's just so central to the tech fantasy of having an easy to carry, easy to use modern tablet for the streets that plugs right in and becomes a full on traditional computer when you're in the office seats. Apple started catering to that fantasy with USB-C on the 2018 iPad Pro, not Thunderbolt, alas. There's still no PCIe out on iOS devices, even on the iPad Pro. So no 5K Thunderbolt display support, but USB-C display support. Kinda. And I say kinda because for the operating system and for the vast majority of apps, all you can do is mirror to the display in the iPad's mostly four by three aspect ratio glory. And with the few apps that do provide separate scalable window support for external displays, it's usually only for content like videos and games, <laughs> video games. And there's no way to interact directly with anything on that screen. Meaning even the newfangled cursor just won't go there. Is it worth Apple investing the engineering resources to make a framework that extends scalable, interactive, independent windows onto external displays? Intuitively, I'd say no, because the vast majority of people would just never use them, and the vast majority of developers may not even bother implementing the support even if Apple provides it. 
I mean, it's been almost half a decade and Google can't even be bothered to implement the most basic forms of multi-windowing into their incredibly popular apps like Gmail and YouTube, right? But I'd counter argue that we're moving into a world where specific window sizes and devices will matter a lot less, where apps will be expected to exist everywhere the user wants them. And Apple is already foreshadowing that with technologies like Catalyst and SwiftUI. So building these foundations in now for pros will likely make apps better for everyone in the not too distant eventually. Steve Jobs just never liked the way Calculator or Weather or a number of other widget-derived iPhone apps looked on the bigger iPad screen. So Apple never shipped them, or so the story goes. We've gotten some of them over time, like Stocks and Clock and Voice Memo, but it'd be great to finally finish off the set because consistency of experience is what an ecosystem is all about. The far bigger rumor for iPadOS this year, though, is the advent of Apple's Pro apps, namely Final Cut Pro, Logic Pro, and Xcode. Now, because these apps won't be bundled into iPadOS 14, but downloadable via the App Store, they could well come at the same time or at some later time. GarageBand and iMovie for iPad, for example, were announced alongside new iPad hardware. Same could be true for Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro. Xcode though, Xcode kinda screams developers, and developers kinda screams WWDC. Now, that those apps are rumored is one thing, What they'll be is quite another. Will Apple assume anyone who wants to use pro apps will want to mainly use them with the cursor? Or will they have the benefit or constraint of being completely multi-touch as well? Will they be positioned as full-on apps, fully all their own, even though even the latest iPad Pro caps out at 6 gigabytes of RAM while Macs start at 8 gigabytes and go up to 64 gigabytes and beyond? Or will they be positioned as companion apps that let you take a subset of your Mac work onto your iPad and then sync it all back? Photoshop for iPad is real, as in the real Photoshop code base, but not full, as in nowhere nearly all the full features of Photoshop for Mac. My guess is it's likely Apple's been doing in private what Adobe's been doing in public, and that is spending the last year or several trying to cram as much of the pro app experience onto the iPad as possible and appropriate but let me know what you think in the comments. Last year, we got what Apple called desktop class Safari. In a nutshell, a bunch of websites kept treating iPad Safari like iPhone Safari and serving up their mobile version, which looked ridiculous on the big screen. And yeah, Reddit, I'm still staring at you. Others had more complicated mouse over schemes that just didn't translate well to multi-touch. So Apple beefed up the iPad browser so that it would help these sites better help us. But there are still some sites that don't work as well as they should or at all. Part of the problem is that developers are increasingly coding websites for Google's Chrome, just like they used to code them for Internet Explorer back when that was the dominant web browser. And it's more work to make sure those sites perform well on Safari and Firefox, work not everyone is willing or incentivized to do. Apple can and should do more to work around that, sure. But Google also has to reconcile whether they care more about the open, compatible web that they used to advocate, or just pushing an opinion of the web that best serves their own agenda. And right now, the latter side is winning. As to the rumors, there's supposed to be improved Apple Pencil support, so we can not just interact better, but annotate better, like drawing right onto the web, which sounds hella cool. Also, the ability to use the pencil to just write into any arbitrary field and have our writing converted into system text, so it's much easier for everyone to read later, including us. That's all powered by machine learning. And to learn how that works, check out Brilliant's new Introduction to Neural Networking course. It shows you how you can wire up just 50 neurons. Using that type of feedback, build a network that's capable of classifying handwritten digits, which is exactly what this new iPad feature is supposed to do. 
Whether you're a student looking to get ahead while school's out, a professional who wants to brush up on the latest and most important topics, or someone who just wants to learn how pretty much everything in the future is going to work, Brilliant is here for you, especially right now while so many of us are still stuck so here. To learn more, go to brilliant.org slash Rene Ritchie and sign up for free. Be one of the first 200 people, and you can also level up with 20% off the annual premium subscription. Thanks, Brilliant, and thanks to all of you for your support.